Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Transfer, I want to start this episode of the VanCast with an apology to the VIPs because we had promised a show on Tuesday in the wake of three straight losses for the Vancouver Canucks, and we've been pretty reliable, and uh, I think we've provided a pretty good resource here for the hockey fans in Vancouver, and not just in Vancouver, we know we've got listeners uh, that check in on the VanCast from all over the world, so uh, I apologize, something came up. Actually, something came down, crashing down, to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. Yep. And truth be told, we were moments away from recording. We usually record at 9 o'clock uh, whenever we do one of these podcasts, try to get it up and running after our radio duties and and before the day begins. And so 9 o'clock has always been our sweet spot, and we were in position. We had just about hit record, and then my phone started uh, making rumblings. And I looked and I said to you guys, uh-oh, I don't think I can be the pod here because uh, I have to be on a conference call in a handful of moments and uh, from there uh, the world started spinning pretty quickly I think people know the stories now but I uh, wanted to take the day yesterday off just to uh, decompress as you can imagine and I thank you and so many others for uh, the outreach and the support uh, it sucks it does it sucks this is no other way around it it sucks but here we are we've still got the van cast yeah of course we do I mean the van cast will not die like, the VanCast is the cockroach that's still crawling around after a nuclear bomb. Uh, and, you know, we've proven that this season, <laughs> podcasting about the Canucks, I think. Um, look, uh, yesterday's awful, right? Like, it's it's obviously hard for me to talk about in, in some ways because I just don't have the same level of skin in the game. Like, I was a contributor. I loved it there. Uh, but as a fan, like, I came up listening to 1040 as a teenager, right? Like, uh, as a a fan of Vancouver sports, 1040 was my home in a lot of ways for 15 years, even though I've only been on its airwaves for two years. And, you know, I think about staying up late to listen to Ralph Rattanago and, you know, weird Samuelson impressions and Jason Botchford rants and, and yourself, of course, on the old KB radio um, you know, I think about the post games that I listened to at 3 a.m. Eastern time, <laughs> like when I was in college. Um, you know, I aspired to be part of that. I was thrilled that I got a chance to be. And the fact that, you know, right before doing the VanCast, I did a, you know, normal 
totally normal radio hit. Like, I had some good takes, but it's not like I was yelling about Marcus Nassim. Like, it's not one of my one of 1040 hits that I'll remember for years and years to come. And, you know, like, get signed off with, like, we'll talk to you Thursday, right? Just our routine. And to have that all come crashing down, to have this station that I so admired that I was, you know, hoping to do more work for over the next decade that I loved. Um, and that was such a staple of this community. Like, I, I don't think it's going too far to say that this is a earth-shattering, destabilizing event for the sports conversation in the Vancouver marketplace. And and that's really tough to swallow, really tough to process. Like, I still haven't fully decompressed. And, uh, you know, I guess, how can you fully decompress when it's something unpredictable and in the end it's right? Yeah, nice. <laughs> uh, that's that's just so, one of so many layers. Uh, I, I have this in like I know we said that we were going to do a podcast today, and and I wanted to do a podcast today. They can take my job; they cannot take my voice. I'll still be active on social media, here, here. and the vancast goes on. And in fact, the vancast now, uh, I think you know, we'll have to look at growth potential and those types of things. So. Uh, uh, there are opportunities that arise out of these things. I've been through it before. It's happened before. It happened five years ago. And I, I just indulge me for a sec here. I, of course. I, I, like, I, I'm sure people came here expecting me to breathe fire and you know just take the company down. I have this sort of vision of uh, corporate people and lawyers in an office listening to this podcast, like waiting for me to say something that they can come at me with. It's probably not going to happen. Uh, I'm frustrated. I, I, it sucks. I said that earlier. I, I'm really sad. I am. I'm sad that 20 years of hard work and sweat mm-hmm. to be market leaders and innovators and, and everything else uh, just comes crashing down with the pull of a plug. Like that, there was a sadness is maybe the overwhelming feeling. I mean, I went through a lot yesterday as I sat there on my couch and tried to process it all and that'll continue and and sure, it implicates or, you know me directly, but all my colleagues. And that's the other thing. Like so many yeah. amazing colleagues and just true broadcast professionals all out of the, on the street at the same time in a global pandemic. And I thank every single person. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners took a moment yesterday to reach out, uh, social media, texts, DMs, phone calls, whatever. I, I, I spent most of the day trying to keep up. And, and really, I couldn't. I was back up early this morning. I slept well, by the way. I will say that. that maybe that's one positive in all of this. I don't generally. And that's sleep why you're well. not breathing a, fire. A good sleep. <laughs> so that yeah. So I got up this morning and I tried to respond and return more texts. And it's not easy. It's just the the overwhelming demand right now um, for people to reach out, and it means the world. It does. It softens the blow. It allows you to realize that you've made a connection. Like, you do what you do, I do what we do, we do this here together. You know people are listening, they're paying attention to what you write. But at the same time, sometimes you wonder, like, how many people are writing or reading or how many people are are really paying attention. And then when you get these personal uh, testimonials of people that have grown up with the radio station, people that had it on, the hours of consuming the product, the places around the world that they have listened and and relied on us as friendly voices and feel like part of the family and all that kind of stuff. Like It just it all brings it right back. Uh, so it's pretty raw. It is raw. There's no question about that. And I feel for my colleagues. And some of us will land on our feet in this business. But when you take this many jobs, you take this percentage of the industry in a market, it's not as simple as, 
you'll be okay, you'll land on your feet. It's just, that's flat out not the truth for everybody. And so this is going to force change. It's going to force change for older people and veterans that have been at it a while. I feel sickened for the young ones that were you know, getting a leg in the industry and getting an opportunity and all they want were chances to climb the ladder and then one of two places in the city that devotes itself to talk radio sports closes the doors and burns the place down. Uh, you do the math there. It's just not going to happen for everybody. And so, you know, I may be at a crossroads. I'm making no decisions. Uh, we'll continue with the podcast. That much I pledge. But, you know, big picture, I've got some things to figure out. I got a wife and kids and a family and a, a yeah. life to lead and to support and all that kind of stuff. And these weren't just jobs. They were good paying jobs. We had all worked hard to climb the to the point where these were good jobs that we loved and they're gone. So that is not easy to replace in a pandemic. And that's kind of the situation we're in now. Like, you know, is it a great opportunity for 650? They're the only player in town. Absolutely. I hope that they recognize that the market is going to expect that they'll up their game. And there are ways to go about that. And I, you know, I, I just think that this market with, we know how invested and involved Fans are. We deal with them on a daily basis. And I do yeah. think that there will be an expectation of the guys across the street bringing it. Whether that's the people that they've got currently, if they decide to make some tweaks and changes, they've got some options now and the ball is in their court and we'll see what they do with it. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with it. And I, I, I do want to say too that I know almost all the hosts that took to the air at 6.50 yesterday opened their shows with kind words, with words yep. of respect. Uh, with dignity, and that means a lot. Look, we try to bash each other on the air and in the ratings, but we're all in it together. We love sports. We love talking about sports. There's a bunch of really good broadcasters and, and even better people over there. I've worked with a lot of them. Uh, it's a tiny little industry, so you know you don't want to be burning bridges and, and those types of things. And so uh, just a shout to those guys for taking a moment to recognize that it was just a crappy day for the industry all around. Yeah, they they were really classy. And the whiplash that I feel going from competing with 650 to rooting for them, like wholeheartedly, just like we have to make this work, guys. Like we need we need dedicated local sports talk in this market. It's important. Like, I honestly believe it's important. I believe it's important because I consumed it my whole life. It motivated me like it was something I loved. Uh, I had an appetite for and that there is an appetite for like we know that we know that we see it in the fan cast numbers. We see it with the legion of VIPs that pay for athletic content like we see it. We know it. And, you know, increasingly what's frustrating is like you've seen what's happened with the newspapers, right? Like there used to be two beat writers per paper plus two columnists. Then the papers get fused and, you know, it's a hedge fund owned not locally that, that effectively makes the budget decisions that govern our local coverage, sports coverage in the papers. Um, you know, that's true across the board. Like, we need something local, and, and granted 650's Rogers, but nonetheless, something local with a local foothold uh, that reflects this community. Like, we don't have Sports Desk anymore. We don't have, you know, legions of writers at the local papers. Even the blogosphere, it's strong still. I mean, shouts to... David Quadrelli and Chris Faber and, and a lot of people who are doing good work. But, you know, it's not its heyday where you had like Pasitabulis and the Curtain Blog and they were both affiliated with papers. And then you had a really, uh, you know, healthy Nux Misconduct and Canucks Army and on and on down the line. Um, you know, 
I mean, we have Daily Hive. That's great. Like, that's a big help. But, man, we just do not have the critical mass of coverage of this team that we had in the past. That means fewer opportunities. It means worse coverage. Um, it's it's tough. Like, I, I, you know, I regret it from a fan's perspective. And I really do hope that there are, you know, evolutions and solutions that will come out of this um, you know, in, in the years to come, but man, that does not soften the blow of losing what, you know, was a staple home of the best sports talk in this market for two decades. Like it's awful. And and I know you're not going to breathe fire, but I'm just a contributor. Like no one even called me yesterday. Um, so I'm free to do so. <laughs> and, and I just want to say like the gorilla radio thing, the, the, uh, recorded robot voice, like the Green Day. Oh my God, just appalling. Just like appalling treatment of not just an audience, not just sponsors who weren't given a heads up, um, but the people who've invested time and effort. And and I also just want to shout out like all the great producers that I worked with in, in my yeah, time there, from call. Adog, uh, McCletch, uh, Ryan Henderson. I didn't really work with Henderson a ton because I, I wasn't on the midday very often. And and of course, Andrew Wadden, um, you know, like those are the guys behind the scenes. Those guys work so hard. They're, they're not as notable as, as some of the talent, uh, you know, on the other side of the microphone. But man, I feel awful. Like I'm sick to my stomach for those guys. They are some of the best in the industry. And I know this not just having worked with them as a contributor, but having you know, been inundated for years with their emails asking to talk to Roberto Luongo when I was Panthers PR. <laughs> like these guys grind and work as hard as anybody. They deserve better. Everyone at 1040 deserve better. Appalling treatment by the Bell Media overlords uh, based in Toronto. Yeah, I, I, I just I can't believe that 1040 doesn't exist today. I, like, I was on the air like you were. Uh, maybe I blame you for burning it down because you were the last <laughs> guest, whatever the case. Uh, but yeah, like I covered the game. I did the post game with Blake on, on Monday night and then was back at it Tuesday morning because that's what I did and that's what I love to do. I love talking about the Vancouver Canucks and I, I love getting up every morning and grinding through the numbers from the night before to see what I could pull out for you know my, my hit with Halford and Bruff to try to take the conversation somewhere that it hadn't gone yet. And I knew I had to be on at 11 o'clock with Donnie and the Moj. And I would try to come up with something different for that hit. You know, some people said, like, how do you do it so many times a day? And I was like, how can I do it? If they wanted me on every hour, I would do it. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure some people got sick of me, but, you know, that's what I love to do. You know me, like, I love to drill down on the numbers and try to figure out, like, what's led us to a five-game losing streak and what's changed over these five games. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. What's next for me? I still hope that there is a place at the table. Uh, again, it's just such a shrinking media market. So I'm not making any decisions today. I'm not making any proclamations. Uh, but, you know, that's what I love to do. These last three years, like I got laid off five years ago by Bell. And there were a lot of people that thought, you are nuts, man. Going back in, going back into the guys that just punted you to, out to the street. And look, if you wanted to talk radio in this market, at that point, there was 1040 and 650 was just starting up. And I talked to 650 back in the day before they started. I, I was a free agent. I had options. And I had conversations, long conversations with both sides. And ultimately, even though they had taken my job once, I had the chance to come back. And when people say one door closes, another opens, when 650 got the rights, Rob Gray, who was in charge at the time, said, 
we are in this fight. We are sending a person out on the road to cover the Vancouver Canucks day in, day out, practices, games, wherever they are, we're going to be there. And I was in the meeting. I mean, this was the meeting when he announced to the group that we'd lost the rights, and that was a crushing day. And there were a lot of low faces around that boardroom. And and Rob then said, but like, we're in this fight. And the minute he dropped those words, I was like, this is my chance, man. Like, I, I, I this is my chance. I, I got to get, this is a job. Like, this is incredible. A job covering the Vancouver Canucks, traveling, being on the beat. Unlike, like I had covered them at home for years, but this was going to be a chance to truly be a beat guy. And I got that job. And these last three years have been an absolute Right. They've just been an absolute blast. You've been there part of the way. It started with Botch out on the road, the things I've done, the places I've gone, the rinks, the, uh, the days off. The <laughs> just. I mean, we've told so many of the stories here, I don't want to repeat, but so much of that has come back to me in waves here in the last 24 hours of really, truly how fortunate I was to get that opportunity. Now, when COVID struck, the world changed. I don't think for a second that that company was going to continue to foot the bill to send a guy around North America to cover the Vancouver Canucks. So uh, I lost my job yesterday. I think the job changed when COVID hit because I just don't think there's any way that they were going to take on that. Uh, and look, it costs a ton when you think of the flights and the hotels and Pridium and everything else. But I hope that they saw some value in having somebody on the scene uh, when things were happening at practices and we were doing head counts and trying to figure out who was going to be where and who might be in the lineup the next day and all those things that drive the discussion on the radio station. And so it, you know, I, I got into this business years ago. I mean, I'm coming up on 30 years in the business and my dream was always to do NHL play-by-play and, and that didn't happen. I had five good years of Western Hockey League play-by-play and I loved it. And way back then I thought, yeah, I'm going to get a chance uh, to do play-by-play in the NHL. That hasn't happened, but everything I've done in my professional career has been to try to align with Canuck broadcasts in some fashion. And so when I started at CKNW, I got to host the pre and the post game. If I wasn't doing play-by-play, pre and post was the next best thing and rode that out until NW lost the rights. And when they went over to 1040, I went and knocked on the door. I went and knocked on Rob Gray's door. I remember having coffee with him at Starbucks. That was the start of that relationship. He saw enough there to bring me on board. You know, worked my way basically from 2006 until I got laid off in 2015 and was out of work again. And that's when the province and Jonathan McDonald and Paul Chapman and Botch was involved and Coos, Ned Willis, Patrick Johnson. Uh, you know, the fact that those guys reached out right away meant the world, meant the world to me. And it, and it kept me out in the limelight and, and kept me with some sort of profile in the market. And, you know, so I've been down this road before. I've been down this road um, I've been a survivor. I'm proud of sort of the survivability. You reached my voice in the marketplace because uh, you've always had my back, which has meant the world to me. And and uh, here we are again. And it's 2021 in a pandemic. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where it goes from here. Uh, as I said, uh, want to keep going with the podcast. I think that people have told me that digital is the way of the future. Uh, so, you know, I mean... <laughs> I think we will ex- will explore some growth opportunities, certainly for the VanCast. And, and uh, you know, but if that was it for my terrestrial radio days, uh, it was an absolute blast to think. I, I just wanted to get in as a young kid who grew up with the radio on in his household. I uh, wanted to be one of those voices in that box on the wall. And 
had close to 30 years, and it's, uh, it's tough. It's, uh, it's no fun, but, you know, life doesn't stop, and you got you to gotta adapt. You have to reinvent yourself. You know, I've embraced digital in the past, and if that's the route forward here, then, uh, you know, I'll settle in for the good fight and, and sort of see where it all takes me here. But, uh, um, you know, just when you think back of all you've done and the people along the way, it uh, it's just it's a sad, sad day. Absolutely, man. Well, look, I, I just want to say, you know, I've always had your back, but I've never had to stick my neck out for you. And that's because it's always easy to have someone's back when they're a good person with the type of work ethic, intelligence, and just overall hockey smarts that you have, like you are made for this. And, you know, we saw it last time around, right? Like you built the best uh, in the wake of the 2015 layoff, you built the best um, podcast in the history of the Vancouver Canucks, like period. And and I like to think this is, you know, a, a close second, but <laughs> I mean, let's be real. The, 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 um, the podcast is legend stuff of legends, um, you know, started writing, reinvented yourself and there's no one more adaptable like than you are like you are the X-Men character Darwin <laughs> You adapt to survive. Um, now, of course, of he perishes in, in the first of the X-Men reboot movies. So maybe that's a bad example. But nonetheless, you are the guy I know can do it. And uh, I just want to just want to say that because. Uh, this market needs you. I know that all your work, your you know obsessiveness, the way you observe things, your takes, your splits, uh, just your overall, like the notes that you keep, my goodness, uh, not just inspiring to your competitors, <laughs> but services this fan base in an irreplaceable way. And for that reason, uh, I'm pretty confident that we'll be hearing a lot from you, Jay Pat, and not just on the VanCast, my good friend. Uh, you are too kind. The people have been so kind. It means the world to me. It really does. And uh, I've tried to get back to as many, uh, so many people that I know in the business, in the industry, but many that I, I think are just VIPs and, and listeners and have become friends along the way. And if I haven't been able to get back to you, I'm, I'm trying hard to respond to all these things personally. So uh, bear with me. I've seen you. I've heard you. And hopefully I have the chance uh, to respond uh, before I don't have a whole lot of time, or I do have a whole lot of time these days, so uh, I don't have any excuses, uh, is where I'm going with that. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Tom. Uh, it's a practice day for the Vancouver Canucks, and uh, they get back at it four straight against the Flames. You and I haven't done this since uh, uh, last week when things were going bad. <laughs> and they haven't got a whole lot. They haven't got a whole lot better uh, nope. for the Vancouver Canucks. But uh, new team, a couple days off here, maybe a chance to to turn things in the right direction. I, I, look, they're going to try to take all the positives they can out of what looked like a better game against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Monday night. But a loss is a loss at this level, and in some ways, I think losing to a team that was out for a skate for forty minutes and then just kind of swats you aside with two quick strike goals. Uh, that has to sting every bit as much for the Vancouver Canucks as the other games where they got out, run out of the rink. Yeah, I actually think it's almost more discouraging. Like, 
to be taken lightly by an opponent and for that opponent to be dead correct. Dead right. <laughs> that's that's tough, man. That's a tough look. And I definitely think that's what happened. Now, look, the Canucks have had some external challenges foisted upon them that, that I think need to be noted because, you know, I like to pride myself on being aware of things like I, I used to joke that if I was covering a game where a team was playing their third game in four nights and the other team had had two games off, right? I might as well write schedule loss <laughs> and just file the story, right? Like schedule loss. <laughs> that it happens in the NHL an awful lot. And it's a hugely determinative factor in the results that we see. And this season, the Canucks have played 16, right? They've had eight sets of three and four. No, no other team's close. They've had four sets of back-to-backs. Uh, this team's gassed. And I do think that that's worth noting when we look at like, hey, what's happened with Bo Horvat of late? Like, Bo Horvat plays huge minutes and has played, you know, 16 games in what, 25, 26 days? Like, yeah, he's not going to be throwing his fastball in the 16th game. Like, we can't expect that. Um, right. And and I do think that that's crucial context to keep in mind. I'm looking forward to asking Travis Green about it uh, after the practice. I'm sure he won't say much, but, you know, I, I do think it's worth considering. And it's a factor that sort of snuck up on me with Green's answer in the first Toronto loss, right? Where he was like, I think we look tired. Um, and I was like, you know what? That's probably pretty fair. Uh, you know, I think you were tracking the schedule density factor more closely than I was. But all of that said, like, how much are we willing to say the Canucks should have in terms of additional wins or points as a result of this? Maybe one, maybe three points. Like, maybe they get one game to OT and, and win one. Maybe. Uh, and that still puts them in, you know, fifth or sixth in the division, which increasingly is looking like where they should be based on true talent. Like, this team is not good enough in terms of their overall two-way ability. Uh, it's readily apparent when you're watching them just surrender five alarm chances one after the other. And while having some practice time while integrating all those new defenders would probably tighten things up a little bit, help a, help a bit, um, it's not going to change fundamentally the flaws that have been exposed on this team when you remove an elite goaltender like Jacob Markstrom, replace him with two guys who played fine, but not you know better than that. And all of a sudden, this team looks like, you know, one of the worst defensive teams in hockey with a bunch of young superstars who aren't playing near to their potential. And that's been tough to watch. Yeah, I thought it was telling, too, in the three-game set against the Leafs, uh, Toronto's at home, they've got last change, and Sheldon Keefe did exactly what a good coach would do. Like, they jumped Jalen Chatfield wherever they could. He had the rough night because a lot of it was out against Matthews and Marner. And then in a one-all tie in the third period of Monday night's game, face-off deep in Canuck territory, it's the Canucks' fourth-line guys. It's Jay Beagle, it's Antoine Roussel, it's Jake Furtanen. And the Leafs throw Matthews and Marner right out there again, and they turn into down opponents. And the Canucks had no answer. They had no answer. They had you know, five goals in the three games. He is, if not the best goal scorer in the NHL right here, right now, he's certainly on a very short list. And I thought that kind of exposed the Canucks for who they were. That fourth line, like if Jay Beagle can't win faceoffs, what is he doing here? Um, and, you know, it's not to throw it all on him, but like he just gets beaten cleanly on the draw and then he loses his man and his man just happens to be Austin Matthews. 
And, uh, you know, 11 seconds later, 11 seconds later, it goes from like yeah. good old college try, hey, you know, put up a good fight for 45 minutes or whatever to, oh, that's how hard they had, that's how hard they had to work just to lose a hockey game by two goals, right? Like it was different, but at the end of the night, oh. that was the Canucks yeah. trumpeting their best effort in weeks and all it yielded was a two goal loss instead of a four or a five goal loss. Yeah. And a two goal loss in which they never led. Right? Like a two goal loss where the result was never really in doubt. Right? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> sorry. I just want to make one more point about the schedule loss thing as I'm, th- as I'm unpacking everything we saw in that Toronto series. I would say if you were like, look, Austin Matthews beating them on the rush, right? As you said, guys throwing f- fireballs out there, right? If Austin Matthews is beating Alex Edler on the rush, I'd be like, this team's not good enough, right? If Jason Spezza is beating Alex Edler on the rush, I'm willing to be like, okay, this team's also, this team's probably bad. At the very least, they're limited, right? But they're also tired. (laughs) I just want to note that quickly. But you're right. The way that opposing coaches are attacking the Canucks right now, right? Like, no one's even hard matching Patterson. Uh, No one's hard matching Horvat. They're kind of just rolling lines, letting their depth win out. Um, that's insulting, honestly, that's insulting. And when I consider too the Quinn Hughes quote following the third straight loss in Toronto, what, what, what did you make of that? Because I certainly, you know, it, it caused my ears and my eyebrows to peak. Uh, I was just like, oh, interesting. Uh, but Quinn Hughes, of course, noting that the team lost a lot of good players this off season, they're 16 games into the year now, most Players and coaches have been pretty reluctant to discuss that subject in any, you know, a- at all, at all, frankly, right? Oh, we're, you know, but Hughes did so. Um, what did you make of it? Was there something there or was there nothing? Well, you know, it's, no, there was a lot there. In fact, it, a it, lot it there. flew under the radar at first for me because I was so locked on to this full-throated defense of how well he's been playing. In the wake of another loss. Right. And he had he had had his best game statistically in a long time. Like through two periods, he and Ben had barely spent any time in their own zone. The Canucks were just crushing it uh, in possession. Like he wasn't wrong. But this is a couple times. He did two media availabilities in Toronto. And both times he was asked about his defense. And both times he got his back up a little bit about how well he thinks he's playing. Now he's a supremely confident guy. I get that. But I also need him to live in a real world where uh, the numbers right. are what the numbers are. And so the first phrase that he uttered post-game on Monday was, well, if you look at the goals, and I kind of thought, don't go there. Don't go there. Um, you know, the, the insinuation was, if you look at the goals, I didn't really have anything to do with them. Like, he didn't finish his sentence. But he said, if you look at the goals, and I just thought, uh-oh, like, that's just, you know, it's a team game. And everybody's going to be reading everything you say, you know, reading into everything you say, and so that was the first quote that kind of got me. And then when he dropped the other part, I was like, oh, man, like he's, uh, you know, is this just him being candid? Is this him airing his grievances with the organization? Whatever the case, he has to recognize that when he says these things, it's not just the Vancouver hockey market, but I see elsewhere across the country, people are sort of taking note of like, holy crap, like he's, you know, throwing crap all over the, the hockey club uh, for the guys that got away. And, and so uh, it was impossible to ignore that. 
and I'll be curious. So I don't know if we'll ever know, but I, I do wonder if somebody would sit him down after the fact and say, "Look, you, you just you just can't go. You can't go there." Oh, or or can he? Well, like why can't he go there? Why can't he make his you know feelings known? I think he can go there. I don't know that it, I don't know that it helps this team win in the here and now, but in terms of you know how he views what's gone on, I mean I think that's relevant. For me, I also think um you know there's this a guy this guy who's been up around the game. He know I don't think he's just a young guy saying something, right? Like I think this is a pretty savvy guy. I don't think he's super media savvy, but he's generally very guarded. And what's been interesting actually and there's something to discuss here too is who who how like Quinn Hughes has become one of the best Canucks on Zoom, but was one of the worst quotes in the room. Like in a normal world, he was like really tough to get meaningful quotes out of. Um, not impossible. I mean, he's a good guy. I just don't think he liked loved talking about the cameras, and I think he's pretty guarded. And then JT Miller's the other side of that coin was like the best guy to talk to in the room in a normal in a normal world, and now is like by far the worst. Canucks interview on Zoom like is legitimately adversarial with the media at this point about things that don't even matter like zone time like whatever man Um, (laughs) but Hughes I think I think that was relatively calculated I don't think Hughes is uh, just firing off the cuff I think he is frustrated but I also think he probably thinks he's getting too much shit for his defensive play and look his defensive play has been bad but he's also been playing massive minutes and what he's been playing, you know, without the guy that he trusted defensively, who he played with last season in Chris Tanev. You know, now he's playing with Jordy Ben. Um, he's playing with Chatfield. He was with Chatfield at camp to begin uh, training camp. Um, you know, I'm sure when you come into camp for your r- first rookie season, like your first training camp, and they put you with Chris Tanev and he's like the most respected defensive defender in the league you know that's one thing right when you come in the next year and you're paired up with Jalen Chatfield I bet you that has a pretty different vibe like I bet that hits different and I wonder how much of that sort of thought process is going on when he says what he said following the third loss to the Maple Leafs on Monday night Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I want to mark two dates here before we run. One is February 9th, and that was yesterday when TSN 1040 shut down. Uh, I do want to thank, I heard from so many people at all levels of the Vancouver Canuck organization, and and that means a lot. Like, look, we're here right now throwing darts and pecking at them for their troubles. 
And it's the job. It comes to the territory, and, and they get it in days like yesterday, and they've gone through this themselves. We've talked repeatedly about how they've had to say goodbye to a bunch of work colleagues and friends and, and really lean out their organization as well. But it meant a lot that uh, people high in the organization, uh, people that I'm you know in contact with on a daily basis, uh, can put aside the differences. It's never personal. It is, it, it's a job of having opinions and covering this hockey club. So uh, that one meant a lot. And we do have to note, Tom, that February 8th was the day that Elias Pettersson finished the night with more goals than Brandon Sutter. Right. We, oh, my goodness. We thought it might take... We were off. Yeah, we were off by a couple of weeks. Sutter hasn't scored. Sutter doesn't have a point since his hat-trick night. That's Brandon Sutter in a nutshell. He, you know, you go long stretches without any kind of offensive contribution. 16 games into the season as a setter, and he doesn't have an assist. That's for another podcast. But uh, he's stuck on four. Three of them come in the hat-trick night. And Elias Patterson is chipping away here. Uh, he's been a, a little bit better, I think, in recent games. Still a bunch of posts that would bump his numbers, obviously. But we picked a date, and we both overshot the target by a couple of weeks. I think it was the Winnipeg games and the homestand here later this month. But it was, in fact, the 8th of February when Elias Pettersson got his fifth goal to pass Brandon Sutter, who's still stuck on four. <laughs> oh, man. Brandon Sutter, stuck on four. <laughs> Well, there is one steak that's only available by special request. Uh, we call it uh, sirloin a lot. It's uh, the size of a boogie board. Ooh, I'll have that one. And a drink? Meatballs. Very good, sir. Well, now, now we should now we should update our bet and have how long? Like, when will Brandon Sutter no longer be stuck on four? <laughs> the next one. When's the next one coming? <laughs> Uh, yeah. Look, they have two power play goals. That's it. In their last two games, they haven't scored an even strength goal since the second period of the first game against oh. the Leafs. So all this attention, uh. all this attention on their defense and how bad it's been. And finally, they tightened it up a little bit in one game. And we all lose sight of the fact that they have one goal in each of the last two games. Besser was a garbage time power play goal on Saturday. And Petey tied the game at one on a power play as well. So, you know, 14 goals on a six game road trip only eight of them at even strength. Like, all of a sudden, their even strength offense, all of that depth scoring that we talked about but also warned wouldn't last. Uh, it's dried up. Tyler Mott's out of the lineup now, and that's a blow, and you heard how much uh, the coach, I mean, when I asked him about how much that was going to hurt the hockey club, and and you could just tell. Like, uh, this is one of the guys that, you know, <laughs> one of the few guys that is going and always hustling and, and moving his feet and doing the things that Travis Green wants to see, and now Tyler Mott's gone for a little while. So, uh, you know, but that was the other thing we also said, like, They've been healthy, and it just doesn't last in pro sports. You're always going to get some guys that uh, are knocked and, and banged up. So uh, we'll see what goes uh, with the Flames here. We'll continue with the VanCast. Uh, that's our pledge to you for certain. In fact, I look forward to it. Now it's going to be the highlight of my week because uh, i got lots of, <laughs> lots of time on my hands. Um, but It's always been the highlight of my well, week, JPEG. <laughs> and, and mine, too. Um, so, I don't know. i got I got decisions to make about how much I'm going to be around the rink. I mean, with the podcast, it's legit. I could still be on these Zoom calls. I have an affiliation with The Athletic. And so, you know, I, I just have to... I, I don't know if I'll come to all the games, but I, I, I love the game. The game is still the star of the show for me. So, uh, I... I I have access. They haven't revoked my press pass. I hope they don't. And so I may see you at the rink before too long. But uh, in the meantime, certainly we'll continue to uh, hammer out these podcasts here uh, twice weekly at The Athletic. Uh, we should mention as well, if you're looking for other pod options, Kelly Rudy from Hockey Day in Canada joins Craig Custance this week on the full 60 
at The Athletic. And you always hear me say this at the end, and I'm right now, I'm in the mood to uh, hear from you. So uh, check out our comment section for each podcast episode at The Athletic app. Rate and subscribe to the VanCast on Apple. And if you're not already a subscriber, go to theathletic.com slash VanCast. Receive a subscription for $3.99 a month. Drancer, thank you to you. Uh, one of the first to reach out yesterday. It meant a ton. Uh, I absolutely love this association with you here in this space. And uh, here's to bigger and better things, hopefully. Yeah, we love you, J-Pat. And, you know, I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm crushed crushed for everyone. I'm crushed for all the colleagues. We had an awful lot of fun over the years at 1040, and I'm glad I got to share the airwaves with you. I'm glad we got to do the VanCast live on 1040 airwaves before it shuttered. Um, But, you know, just an awful day. Thoughts are with you, with the family. All right. Well, that room full of uh, lawyers and corporate shills, they can turn the podcast off now. I think uh, we've We've, we've said what we said. Thanks again to everybody for Drancer. It's J-Pat. Uh, thanks for your support. Thanks for listening to the VanCast here at The Athletic and TheAthletic.com.